0: Never had that much emotion crossing a finish line before and coming down that that stretch I was like I I knew I had left it all out there I knew I had and it was such a good feeling that you know when I finally did cross that line and went down like I just I, it was just over I was overcome with emotion it was just a different feeling like everything came together for me and it's really hard to say that when you're talking about 140.6 miles
1: Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 34 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Stoked to share Jenny Cataldi's inspiring story. Art school teacher and badass mom by day, crushing tries and making age group podiums at world championship races on weekends. Ginny took us out on the course and shared so many powerful stories and the moments that have truly shaped her. And one thing powerfully resonates, gratitude. We get to do this. We talk coming back to racing after bike crashes, riding in a bikini due to road rash, racing world champs just days after her stitches were removed. In other words, doing whatever it takes to get in the arena and compete for podiums in h group World Championships. Her Kona Ironman lava field experiences, an amazing story of Pele offerings, metaphysical events, and a stranger she met on the course at her weakest moment, or did she? So much grit and grind, and how it all magically came together for Ginny at Ironman Maryland for a second-place finish and a 9.42 breakthrough race. A day where Ginny collapsed shortly after crossing the line and truly left it all out there. Ginny has the fire and passion to be the best, even when it comes to injuries. No doubt her story will inspire many, including her children. Ginny has such a deep passion for the sport and is all about gratitude and community. Honored, she shared her story. Hope you all enjoy this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Good morning, Ginny Cataldi. So excited to have you on here. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing this morning?
0: I'm great. Thank you. It's starting to get warm outside. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you as well.
1: Warm weather can never be a bad thing, can it?
0: Um, only if I'm in a boot and I can't run outside, it is.
1: Oh, wait. Are we talking injury club here? Are we talking on the, We're talking on the, on the DL right now, disabled list on the sidelines? Oh, yes. I feel you. (laughs) I feel you, kid. So you're in the boot and I'm not in a boot and people see me going out doing 50 mile rides and like, well, he's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. But meanwhile, I have a a acute subchondral medial femoral condyle fracture of my knee, some bone that exists in the knee that I didn't even know, but it's okay. It's all good.
0: (laughs) It's amazing the different bones and ligaments you learn about when you are An endurance athlete, isn't
1: it? (laughs) Yes. Wait, what body part is this that I knew nothing about? Yeah.
0: I learned a lot about the cuboid when I had a stress fracture in it a few years ago.
1: Yeah. I mean that's basically basically what mine is. And you know, I the crazy thing is I ran 60 miles on it for Tommy Rivers Poozy, Tommy Rivs. Uh, to raise money for him for my 60th birthday, so I actually ran 60 miles on a stress fracture of my knee. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. But we all get to have hopefully one Goggins moment, or maybe more, in our lives. So that was kind of mine, and uh, it makes the story a little more interesting, right? So how did you how did you get injured? Tell us tell us about your current injury.
0: <laughs> this this is not a good story. Um, I've been told mil- multiple times that I should probably come up with something better. Um, I literally was walking into the bathroom in the middle of the night and I slipped on my sweatshirt and I, 10 seconds was down on the ground and knew I had broken something. So,
1: Oh, wait a minute. That's not a good story. That's a, that's a fucking epic story, man. I mean, that's the kind of shit that I would do, like smashing into a bedpost and breaking a toe or something like that. I mean, that's, that's, that's epic, man. I mean, sure. It isn't sexy, you know, it wasn't out on a hundred mile bike ride or something, but It works. It works.
0: Yeah. So I ended up driving myself to the ER like two o'clock in the morning. And yes, I broke my fibula clean across. So I had surgery. Yeah, I'm um, eight weeks weeks post-op right now. And um, I think probably I'll be in the boot for like another three weeks.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how the time slows down to a crawl. Uh, for all the people listening and anybody that's an endurance athlete who listens to the show, we've got ultra runners, marathoners, we've got triathletes and, and hell, man, I'll take anybody. I'll take anybody who does anything endurance related. I don't care if you do the I did a trot in Alaska, man, <laughs> come on the show and roll with us. But, uh, time slows down. I mean, I, when my friends keep telling me, oh man, you'll be back out there in no time. I'm like, fuck off. What are you talking about, man? This is like a three to six month injury. Stop telling me yeah, you'll be, you heal faster than anybody to be back out there. Um, no, no, no. It's three, it's three months. Right. You know,
0: stronger than you were before. I'm like, really? Yeah. I rode the bike for the other day and I almost died.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I feel you. And then if it wasn't enough, Jenny, if it wasn't enough in pandemic times when I'm like living on milk duds and raisinets and God knows how many other kinds of candy that you cannot possibly consume, this is not a smart decision. But meanwhile, I'm living on candy and junk food. And now you take away all my running miles. This is not a good thing. So I'm like, I've weighed 154 pounds since high school. I'm 60 years old. I'm now like 170. And it's just like, no, I will not go back on the scale. I'm not going back on the scale until I'm clear to run and I could start erasing some of this insanity.
0: I can completely empathize with the weight game. Um, Last April, I was 20 pounds or maybe it was May, 20 pounds heavier than I am right now. And it comes on so slowly that you don't really notice until you go to put like a pair of pants on and you're like, um, what? And you start to realize that the sweat you've been living in are like pretty much glued to your body. <laughs> They're no longer baggy. Um, and in fact I had done a podcast in the spring just talking about how the COVID, um, pandemic was affecting, um, me mentally. Um, and I, it was just put out, a few months ago, I think. And I saw it and I was like, Whoa, I said, I cannot believe how big I was. And, um, you know, he's like, I can delete it. And I was like, no, it's life. Like it happened. I'm not, I don't, I did that. So (laughs) yeah, we, I took control of that, but it definitely is easier to put on than take off.
1: Yeah. I mean, these are, it's just so crazy for people that are fit and that work out all the time and are building for huge goals. And Um, for everybody at home, you know, Ginny loves try 24 is, uh, hugely known in the sport. Um, big star in triathlon crushing at a Kona and full Ironman distances and doing big stuff in the sport. Um, when you're training like that and racing to get onto the greatest stage in the world and you're fit all the time, it's amazing how quickly it can get taken away from us. Uh, and I think, One of the things I know you're aware of because, you know, it's one of the reasons I think I started following you was your hashtag, we get to do this. Like I try to practice gratitude in my life every day and be thankful for what running and marathoning and ultra-marathoning and triathlon have brought to my life, how much it's enriched my life, how many amazing people I've met. Starting the show, getting to meet even more amazing people and share their incredibly inspiring stories. Like it is a gift. It's incredibly has such an incredible impact in our lives, the gift, whatever the gift is, is it swimming, is it running, is it cycling, is it a combination of all those things? Is it just hiking and being out in nature? Whatever that gift is, you never should take it for granted because when it's taken away from you as it has been from you right now for a few months or for me for a few months, man, it becomes crystal clear, like how dark the world can be without that magic. So what do you think about all that?
0: Uh, I completely agree with that. I think um, it's interesting because I just did a post the other day about 20 minutes, about how, um, as an endurance athlete, I view 20 minutes as being like, uh, why even bother? You know, if you, if you see a 20 to 30 minute run um, on your, uh, you know, training peaks or whatever, you think, Oh, this is, is it even worth, worth getting sweaty? And I was allowed to ride my bike for 20 minutes on Sunday and just the different perspective that you have when you look at that time, because a lot can happen in 20 minutes. A lot can happen in 20 minutes. Um, and I went through like all the different emotions on the bike for those 20 minutes. And I was like, so happy to be able to have that opportunity. I mean, my life changed in 10 seconds, you know, when I slipped on the sweatshirt and I broke my fibula and, you know, I'm sidelined and I'm watching my calf, like literally shrink down my um, PTs joking around it. And he called it a little baby lamb the other day. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm a little sensitive to that. Okay, um, But yeah, I think we were constantly uh, as endurance athletes evolving and um, gaining new perspective and insight. I, I definitely feel like I can't get stuck. I, one of the questions that you had said was um, defining moments, I think was the topic. And I said, wow, I have a lot of those, um, just those kind of aha moments um, where you can sit back and like put things into perspective, um, and they they redefine where you are at that current time. Uh, and I think I made mention like the first time I had one of those moments was in Kona in um, two thousand fourteen. was my first trip to the Big Island, and you know I didn't have a lot of time. I'm a teacher, so you know, I arrive, it's like underpants day, it's check. It's, you know, like you're kind of like running around and then it's the race. And, um, I didn't have time to acclimate the way so many other athletes did, but I was there and I was like, let's do this. And I remember being on that run and just feeling like I need to walk. And this person, this guy came up and he linked his arm in mine. He's like, Oh no, I've been following you all day. You are not walking. And I was like, what? Okay. Um, and we started talking and he got me out of my head. I mean, he's asking me all these questions and I I knew everything. I said, listen, I can't talk. So you're going to just have to talk to me. <laughs> um, and I knew everything like where, where he worked out about his girlfriend, where he lived, all this information. And we were coming down that um, last little stretch and, He's like, go ahead, go ahead. And I said, no way. I was like, you brought me here. I said, you you should finish first. And he's like, no. And I said, well, I'm already 10 minutes ahead of you <laughs> because the girls were 10 minutes behind in the wave. And he said, oh, okay. And so he, he took off. But you know what? I looked for him after the race. I couldn't find him. I couldn't find him. I looked in the paper at the results. He wasn't there. His name was not there. And we ha- I knew exactly the time. So it was kind of like, did I have, uh, there's no way I imagined it, you know, but it was like one of those takeaways where you start to get kind of, well, wait, they said to make an, to, to an, offering to Pele before you go. Um, and I think I said something like, um, please just get me home safely, like on during the race, um, so that I can finish and feel good about what I did. And I forget what I had exchanged, um, for the offering. But I started wondering whether that was like the island, you know, cause you hear all these stories of Kona and like these really bizarre things that happen to people. And, um, so that just, I don't know, set me back and gave me a little bit of, you know, pause <laughs> to say the least. Um, but you know, my takeaway from that was that this stranger who, I've never seen again. I can't find, like I looked for him on Facebook. I looked everywhere, um, came into my life for six miles and he changed my entire day.
1: That is such a powerful story. Um, I, um, I've been to Kona, um, haven't raced there, but went, when my, uh, one of my close friends, um, uh, from New Jersey, had missed by one spot, I think like a dozen times. And he was just heartbroken. And he worked for FedEx at the time and he could fly anywhere in the world on their planes for just the the tax of a ticket. So he could go to Ironman New Zealand and Lanzarote and all these remote spots because his best chance to qualify wasn't an Ironman, um, not a half Ironman or other distances. And when he finally made it, I got to go there in person. And, you know, from my generation... I grew up watching, you know, Mark Allen and Dave Scott. You know, the Iron Wars. That race, like I probably watched it like five hundred (laughs) times. My VCR burned out, Um, but it's that's the beauty of YouTube. That literally, you can go back to any of these races. You can go back to the Lava Fields where Mark Allen had huge leads and blew up, and it went wrong. And he talks so much about the spiritual component of the island and having to you know, come to peace with that island and every, the energy that's there, you know, the energy laboratory, the lava fields, you know, Javi, the winds, I mean, there's just so much going on there. It's a very like metaphysical place and it's a very spiritual place. So, you know, in my mind, who knows if he actually was there? He Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. And I have many, many ultra friends who've done mo- 100 milers or longer who've had complete out-of-body experiences where they've seen their parents again or other loved ones they've lost and, and believe they've run huge distances and maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Who is to say? I mean, if you did that much work and you couldn't find them, Maybe he maybe he was just there at that moment when you needed him, but he really wasn't there. Um, and maybe he was. Maybe he just jumped on the course and and actually wasn't in the race. I mean, it's such a cool story. And I'm so thankful that you shared it. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, this like such positive energy. You know, they hold up those signs and they're like, um, power button, press here. And he's like, come on, let's go, let's do this. And he's hitting them. He's like, woo! And he's like... <laughs> so loud. And I'm like, okay, I can do this, play along. But yeah, he just had this awesome energy. And I, I remember waving to his girlfriend. So, I mean, she was there too. I don't, I, I don't know. Did I make up two people? I don't know.
1: That's just so awesome. Um, and you know, taking it back from there, cause that's an experience of a lifetime. Um, uh, the culmination of just so much work, um, the closest thing in, in marathoning, would be for people that have tried really hard and have not been able to BQ and get to Boston and then do. And, you know, I've been blessed to run Boston, I think eight or nine times and actually ran in the hundredth Boston. So I've been, um, you know, I've been in this game a long time, you know, I've been in it for 30 years and, you know, my love and passion for the sport is only, it's only grown stronger. The flame only burns hotter. So I'm, Frankly amazed when friends of mine are just like you know why do you even run anymore you know you're never going to run the times you ran when you're in your 30s and I'm like what it what does that have to do with anything like I'm still running man I still have the fire to run the passion to run but more importantly to connect with like minded people and give back to the sport to share stories like yours with uh, people who tune into this podcast because somebody listening is going to go. Well, hold on a minute you know she didn't do these things as a, as a kid and she wasn't an all-american at stanford swimming and you know she didn't run division one track and field you know she didn't do these things as a kid and wasn't like an absolute rock star but somehow has made it to kona on like top 10 in kona which is amazing i think you were ninth in kona right like in your age group, it's like insane, and your and your time was like ten, what, ten hours and forty minutes, or something like that, or.
0: I mean, I took almost forty minutes off just from the first time I had been there, so I think just you know having, you, like you said, the all the different elements on that on the island, the winds is like such a huge factor. So, um, but I will. I want to go back to what you said about Boston. Boston, literally, is the best race I've ever, and I'm, I'm speaking from a triathlete. Boston was the most exciting experience that I've, I've ever had doing a race ever. I couldn't believe the crowd support and just, um, it, the sea of people. I mean, cu- when you're coming down and you're looking out, like, and you just see thousand like, I mean, so many people and it's awesome to see everybody just like in their element, like we're here, you know. And it, I don't know. It was ve- it was a very very cool experience.
1: I'm I'm so happy that you have that enthusiasm for that event specifically. You know when your when your life is really all about try you know, for the most part. I mean, that's where you put your energy, you're competing, you know, trying to be one of the best in the world as an age grouper to compete in like national or even world championships. So I love that perspective because Boston is so unique. It is like the Super Bowl of running for marathon runners. The people of Boston along the towns, along that route, They treat every single runner that comes to their area, that comes out into their course, like their heroes, like their heroines, like their badasses, the kids on the front lawn, the people out there waving flags and banners, just going postal. It starts from Hopkinton and it just builds and builds and builds. And, you know, everybody, you know, talks about the obvious things like getting kisses at Wellesley and all. But like to me, that's never been it. It's just it's all the other stuff, man. It's like I find and lock eyes with the people on the lawns and other places along the way. And it just sustains me. And I'm excited that you had such strong feelings about your Boston experience. So tell me what was the most exciting, what you connected with the most, what made it feel so special as someone who's like hardcore and to try and had that a chance to run Boston. What, what made it so special for you?
0: There were so many different pieces. First of all, it's the most organized race in like ever, um, getting on the school buses and I'm sitting next to somebody. I'm so nervous because I'm, th- that was, that's been my only standalone marathon. Like I, to date, that's the only one I've ever done. And I'm sitting on this bus and everybody's like, oh, blah, 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 talking about how many times they've done this race and like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so new at this. And at one point I looked over at the um, lady I was sitting next to and I was like, wow, we've been on this bus for a really long time. And she starts laughing. She's like, it's 26 miles. And I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so that was funny. And then, you know, just getting off at the bus and how organized everything was with all the correct, like, I knew exactly where to go. And I didn't have anybody telling me where to go. It, it was just, it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, I think you know, just that huge impact of seeing the waves of people and just all the support. And, you know, even people, and this is similar in triathlon, like that you can get support from, from people on, on the course, like, Hey, you're doing great. Or, you know, something like that. Um, you, maybe you did it this the year I did it, it. It was so hot. It was so hot. And like the water, it, it was like unbelievable. So we're coming down and around and, I, at this point, I'm I'm like, I'll take anything, you know, and there's this group of kids and they're they holding out icy pops. And I'm like, I'm taking an icy pop from a complete stranger. And I'm trusting that it's safe. You know, that was the best icy pop I've ever had in my entire life. It was orange.
1: Yeah, but um, it had to be orange, yeah, of course.
0: It was orange. Um, but during that race, uh, another interesting thing i was having a um uh plantar fascia issues going into the race and i ended up actually tearing the central band of my plantar fascia at mile 9 during the run um i felt this huge pop and i was like oh well there it goes and it hurt but it kind of felt relief but like it didn't hurt badly enough for me to be like smart about it and think, yeah, I should probably not finish this because in my head I was thinking, Jen, this may be the only time you ever get to run Boston. Like you have to finish this. And so, you know, I didn't finish it well (laughs) by my standards. Um, but I did finish it and coming down like the sit co sign where everybody's like, Oh, um, and just that last treat, like to see just that finish, it was like, it was awesome. It was really, really awesome.
1: I love that, uh, the trip down memory lane for you and, um, Boston can be overwhelming to somebody who is a first time or even as experienced and as, uh, competitive an athlete as you are, because yes, people are sitting around you that are, I mean, hell, I've, I haven't run it 10 times. I've got friends who've run it 20 times, 25 times, 30 times, and, (laughs) um, can dissect every inch of the course and know, and know the elevation tables and, and, you know, know where it's shadier and what side of the road to run on. So there, there's just so much to it. The same way there is when you race Kona regularly and, you know, um, like the little secrets about, the course itself and, and things that you prepare for and get ready for. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just such an, such an epic experience and go ahead. You, I know you have something else. I,
0: I was gonna, oh no, I was going to say, I'll admit I, I did cry at the end of Boston marathon, not because of emotions or, you know, like, oh my gosh, I did this. Um, more because I was being funneled by alphabet to some street where I ended up hanging out with my little mylar blanket with the wind ripping down the alley. And I didn't know where my parents were, where the guy I was dating, I had no idea how I was going to find them. So, and you don't run with a self, like I didn't run with a cell phone. I didn't have a phone. So I'm sitting there and I was like, just, Oh my God, am I ever going to be found? How do I get out of this situation? I was freezing. Um, there was a group of people next to me who was like pounding a bottle of champagne. And the one guy, he's like, you look like you could use this. And and he's like, take a swig. So like, I take, yeah, eventually they let me use the phone and I was able to get in touch with people. But yeah, I thought that was the only part where I was way out of my element.
1: <laughs> oh, it's, um, it's great stuff, man. Great memories. And yeah, that's, that's kind of part of Boston. That's the heart of Boston is taking a popsicle from a stranger. It's connecting with the people along their lawns, along the the stretches of the course that aren't quite as crowded. Um, that kind of bring you back to life and revive you. Sure, everybody knows about heartbreak and, and all of the other famous areas of the course, but it's remarkable that you can run 26 miles and make four turns in a race. And you don't make the first turn until 21 miles. Into, you don't make the first turn until the firehouse, for Christ's sakes, before you hit the four chain of Newton Hill's um, and rock up and ascend and, and, you know, start to bomb down the hill into Cleveland circle at the top of Boston college there at the, you know, at 21 miles. So it's just, it's an epic course. It has the history, um, that will live forever. And it's, it's just really, there's something special. And I'm sad for you that you didn't get to have like your best race day and a, a true authentic race day where you were able to just like, let it rip. And you know, be on the razor's edge and and have that experience. But you could always go back. Um, it would be a sin for you not to go back and have <laughs> that experience because, it, to me, it will only help your triathlon game. It will never hurt your triathlon game. It will only help your triathlon game. So that's a conversation for you and your coach, not for me and you. But it's just my <laughs> two cents worth. I'm sixty. I've been around the block. I've I've had the opportunity to do these races so many times, and and to still be out there doing it and bringing it it just brings me great joy and you know you should share that joy with others and boston is the experience of a lifetime and those crowds and those people could get you fired up man we ran in the monsoon the year you're talking about was probably 2017 yeah i mean the hot year That's i mean exactly yeah i mean i've run in i've run in all of them man i mean you know i i go back to 1995 was my was my first so you know you you get a chance to have those experiences you know you just wouldn't miss it and you know i ran in the 100th which was 40,000 runners And I got to run my fastest Boston that year. I ran 241. I was 400th out of like 40,000 runners. So I trained the way you would have trained for your first Kona. I trained the way any elite triathlete trains when they're getting a chance to compete in a world championships event, you know, whether it's a 70.3 or 140.6. I mean, I trained like I was going to the fucking Olympics, you know, I just killed it. And to have that experience, it wasn't my fastest marathon, but it is by far my most memorable because- it just was an experience of a lifetime. And I'm sure that you still have this amazing feeling for Boston, even though you tore your plantar fascia um, <laughs> yeah, at nine miles, no less. You know, it's not like it happened, you know, with like 5K to go. You know, you had 17 miles to go. Yeah. You know, no no big deal. NBD, like we'll figure this shit out. Um, but God bless, man. You made it through. But you got to go back to Boston. You got unfinished business there.
0: It's funny because I've never... I if somebody talks to me about the whole triathlon thing, I I say, well, I'm not a runner. Like I, I don't consider myself to be a runner because runners like really run, (laughs) you know, like, and I feel like in the sport of triathlon, that's for me where I either make it or I'm not going to make it. And I remember two incidences where the swim was canceled and it was, you know, time trial bike start in the run and thinking in my head, well, here we go. Like I, you know, you just took away one of my strengths and I'm going to have to like really push to ensure that I'm, I'm successful with where I wanted to be in my head. Um, and I remember telling my coach afterwards, like, well, and I'm, since I'm not a runner and he's like, what? He's like, you're a runner. And I was like, well, I mean I guess I run but I'm not he's like no you're ridiculous he's like you are a runner. And so that was another one of those like kind of life altering things, you know, when I because that was in my race report and he's like we need to talk about this because you you're a runner, <laughs> you know. Um but in my head I just think of something like, like you were talking about like running a marathon in 241. Like what? Are you kidding me? No, you know, I I went 332 at the end of an Ironman, and I was pretty happy about that. <laughs> but like, I, I don't think I could ever, I don't know, get close to like the three five three ten, especially now.
1: Okay, so so let's back up a sec. Um, yeah, the not a runner talk, I love it. So you you you, <laughs> you when we were exchanging some messages about before coming on, just to have some topics, uh, content stuff. Yeah, having a great coach is everything. Um, having someone who believes in you is everything. And it doesn't have to be a coach. It can be a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a friend, a sibling, uh, another athlete um, like Danny Goggs and you were tight. Danny was on my show. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is knowing that others out there have that strong and passionate and deep and fervent belief that Jenny's a badass. She can crush it. And that. They, you have to channel that. You have to bring that out there on the course with you. So yeah, that negative self-talk or even it may not even be negative, but it's just not positive, okay? It's not as affirming as it needs to be. You are a fucking runner, girl. You can't run a 3.32 after swimming 2.4 and rolling one twelve on the bike unless you are a fucking total badass and you are a yeah. damn good runner. 3.32 is there's a lot of people who I know who've been running their whole life who would be very happy to sign for a 332. So it takes so much to be able to run 26 at the end of where you're coming from. Not to mention that you're doing it in places like Kona, which are insanely hot, insanely humid, crazy winds, And just difficult, I mean, difficult, you're flying all the way out there. You don't get the chance to acclimate. So there's just so many other like variables in that equation. So yeah, you're a runner. And I think you need you huddle up with your coach. You could tell him Ron runs NYC said it. Um, I think you need to roll in some other races just to just to mix it up more, man. Because look, that's how you get more feisty and more spicy. And you just say, Hey, man, I can prove myself. I'm gonna roll with these chicks that are runner chicks, and I'm gonna go fucking toe to toe with them right now. Well, right now, neither one of us are going to be doing anything right, right now. now. We'll be rolling <laughs> some trainer miles though. We'll get the kicker yeah. miles and, and we yeah. can handle that. But <laughs> when it's done, it's just, I just think it'd be a great sharpening, a great sharpening thing for you.
0: I was um, registered for the Philadelphia marathon um, at the end of 2017. That was right after I did Ironman Maryland. Cause I wanted to do a run block and I really wanted to work on that and see what I could do sort of like what you were saying. Cause I've, I've been doing all three disciplines and I wanted to see what would happen if I concentrated on running more than, you know, the other things. Um, But I never ended up being able to do that race uh, because during Ironman Maryland, I got a stress fracture in my hip and then I tore my hip labrum. So I was, I had to have surgery and I was out. So I wasn't allowed to, to run obviously, but it is, it is on my list of things that I want to do. So, uh, I'm not sure that I really want to do Philadelphia. I picked it cause it's close and convenient, but, um, you know, there's some other marathons that I think I'd probably rather do. <laughs> that might be a little bit. more scenic. <laughs> come on, man.
1: Come, come up to New York city. I'll get you in New York city. Although I, I can't, this is the one year. I mean, I have like a certain quiver of, of uh, people that I can get in every year, but that's all out the window for, for this year with everything with COVID wiping away every single race last year. So now the premium is just, you know, things have just gotten wild and um, field sizes are being reduced by crazy amounts. And even then we still don't know what's actually going to go forward and what's going to take place and what isn't. But when you're ready to rock New York city, I got you. Um, Or I can give you many other courses um, just depending on what you like. You tell me what kind of courses you like. Do you like Hills? Do you like flat? You know, do you like large fields? You know, medium-sized fields. You tell me what you like. I'll get you hooked up, and uh, we'll get you into a race so you can get out there and roll. Because it would be it would be fun to see you, you know, go after that in a cycle. And I think it's it extends, and it only to me it reignites the passion for what the true love is anyway. So you love try. That's what you really love. That's what you're deeply passionate about. You're only going to be more passionate if you go and put more focus in. On one area that's so key because, face it, man, it all comes down to the run, okay? I mean, look. You know, it does. I mean, you could be, like I said, you could be Stanford, you know, all American, all these great swimmers that have come from there and killed it and rocked it. But the truth is, I don't care what kind of lead you build up in the swim. How many times did I watch, you know, these German dudes roll out of the water with like psycho leads and then hammer the F out of the bike and they've got a huge lead and their asses got run down on in the lava fields because if you can't run off the bike, you know, you're not going to win. It's just not going to happen.
0: No. um I do have to say though from personal experiences with half marathons and like the 70 point3 running a half marathon at the end of an Ironman is easier than running a standalone half marathon
1: really you think so
0: 100 percent okay I, I feel like by the time I hit that I like I'm I'm pacing myself like I'm not trying to go balls out and like see what I can do do and how long I can hold this like sick fast I mean in my head sick fast pace you know I mean so my PR for a half iron or for a half marathon is um 128 and my fastest one during a half iron is 138 so like there's a pretty large discrepancy there you know which is why I think the standalone ones hurt more (laughs) like I feel like you're just pushing hard your goals are different
1: I don't think, see, what is your coach? I don't think that's a big discrepancy, but again, I'm not in the tri world, you know, like I was, you know, 20 years ago, but I'm going to, I'm going to get back into it. So to me, that Delta doesn't sound that big 10 minutes because, you know, you had to swim 1.2 and you, and I'm sure you're mashing on the bike hard. I mean, you're not holding back on the bike 56 miles. You're, you're freaking mauling the bike. So I don't know that, that Delta doesn't sound that big to me, but again, this is your life. That's your world. And you also, your coach, you guys have a lot of experience there. So I I can't speak to that.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, I think in terms of, yes, you've done this, 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 like that's, it's not terrible, but I'm, I think I was trying to equate it with like the, the exertion that I want to put out during like, that's the only thing I'm doing (laughs) only, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so I want to like give it hell. You know,
1: I love it. Um,
0: yeah. And the, like, there was one year where I wasn't running. Um, and I forget what I had done then. Oh, with the plantar fascia. Um, and I went to Eagleman, knowing that I was going to DNF at the run. But it was awesome because I, my coach was like, just see what you can do on the bike. Like, just, just go. Hammer. Like, I don't. When you, yes. <laughs> when you get to that finish line for transition, he's like, I want you to not be able to stand. Like. I want when like you on clip for you to like feel like you're going to fall over. And it was so fun. It was so fun. I had a great time. Cause you're just focused on that that one thing. And you're like, I'm going to make it hurt as much as I can possibly make it hurt.
1: I love that, that direction he gave you and um, that you just like cut, you just cut it loose. Cause there's very few times when you're doing a race like that, where you will ever have that experience because no matter what we do, we're always holding back to some degree. The longer the race goes, our brain will always hold back. Um, And I've had the pleasure of speaking with some great ultra marathoners that have come on my show that are 100 mile, run 100 miles and even longer. And it's amazing. Or I know friends who've run 24 hours and done 24 hours on the track. Imagine running 24 hours on a track, running around in circles for 24 hours. Give me a loaded pistol and I will shoot myself. Tell me to run 24 hours, I'll try anything. To see if I can break myself. It's just fun. I, I mean, it may not sound fun to anybody else, but it's fun to me. But 24 hours on a track? No, 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 no. But one, you know, talking about the holding back thing, they've all told me stories of how when they got close, you know, they saw the clock spinning back down and knew that they only had 20 minutes, all of a sudden they're running seven minute miles again and they're like walking, you know, for the last 20 miles. And it's like, you don't believe how much our brain, and that's what Goggins talks about so much. The governor, we shut things down. We're protecting. We're trying to keep ourselves safe. We're trying to keep ourselves alive. We're trying to not blow up and redline it yet. We have, we have more, there's more in there.
0: Yeah. My biggest experience with that was definitely Ironman Maryland. Um, because when I was doing that race first of all at mile 18 and my watch died and I was like oh my gosh I don't know I was running I was in second overall female and I'm my my cyclist who is actually now a good friend of mine which is pretty cool um you know she's like you got this you can do this and I'm like oh my gosh everything hurt like everything and when I crossed that line I I went down and I was like whoa and I remember trying to stand back up again I had nothing and um I couldn't walk. Like I was like crawling, even hurt. And I'm like, what did I do? Um, And that's where I found out that I had the stress fracture and a torn hip labrum, but it's that whole adrenaline thing. I'm like, how the hell did I finish this race? And like, as well as I did and, and I, I did it on a, on a broken body pretty much. You know, it's like as soon as I crossed that line, it was like my body knew, OK, you're done now. You can let it go. You know, and it, it was weird. It was so weird um, to find that out. But it was a really and I, I remember being in medic and I had no idea what my times were. And uh, I was in there for what I felt was like 20 minutes, but apparently it was like almost two hours. <laughs> um, and I had convinced somebody in medic to bring me in one of their like gator cars back to my friend's car who had driven, because I was like, I don't know how else I'm going to get there. Um, and that was really nice that they did that. But when they were telling me what my times were, I was like, what? And I just literally, I started crying because I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be able to pull out like a total time um, the way I did it at that race. And the coolest thing for me was that in my mind, I knew that that was going to be my last um, full Ironman distance for a while, um, so I wanted to give it my all and just. I, and I, I ended up having what I would still call like the race of my life. Everything came together for me, um, and you know, I, I went 9:42, which is like for me, so, like this is a surreal time, you know, um, and it felt good to turn down Kona. I don't I'm, I'm not trying to sound like an asshole, but, but to know that like, I, I did what I set out to do. I could have gone if I wanted to, but somebody else, like she started crying. She's like, you're not taking it. And I was like, no, she's like, oh my God. Um, but to see her so happy and to know that I had done what I wanted to do, like, it just felt good to be able to walk away from it, you know, for, I don't know how long, I don't know, <laughs> but, um, feeling like I did what I set out to do. And that was like a really cool experience. So the fact that I did it on like a broken body too, was just, I don't know. I remember finding out and just crying. Like I was just, wow. It was very emotional. Um, but I did that because my kids, my kids are, um, at an age where they're getting into their own like little social scenes and sports and, um, you know, when you're training for, IE, it's the same thing as a marathon. You're putting in hours and hours, like 22 to 24 hours a week. And I just felt like that was selfish. Um, so I, I'm stepping away from that. My son will be 16, um, this month actually, and my daughter's 13. Um, she's got some mental health things happening with her right now. So, um, they both, they just, I feel like they need their mom right now. So
1: well there's there's so much in there. Well, first off, we're gonna go in reverse order. So being a being a mom is always the single most important thing. Um, raised by a single mom, um, me and my two brothers, and she's still with me at nearing 89 and uh, by far the biggest impact and my role model and the person who gives me strength in my uh, toughest moments. So no doubt that your kids are gonna be inspired as hell one day just seeing you know what a total badass you are out there doing your thing in iron man and killing it in a sport that is just so physically demanding um but first and foremost fam- family is always first family always comes first so kudos to you on look recognizing that um having the race of a fucking lifetime i mean 940, 942, um it's just crazy crazy fast in an iron man it's like unbelievable and I want to, like, unpack a little bit about the actual race, but I want to stick to the higher level, like, touchy-feely stuff. Um, Giving away your spot is also um, just awesome. Um, We work so hard for these things. We put so much of our – I mean, we have to go to such deep places to get – a result like that we've kind of grind so hard we have to do so many miles it requires such incredible sacrifice and we have to take like every waking moment out of the rest of our lives to be able to perform like that and a lot of people don't understand that um some people might think it's selfish it's not selfish um to me and one of the reasons i started this pod is like it's it allows us to be the best at everything else we do. We can be the best mom. We can be the best dad. We can be the best business partner, the best brother, husband, wife, whatever you just put best in, we become the best version of all of those other things because of all of that work, because of all of that sacrifice, because you're driven to succeed, to to get to that like highest top, to push yourself to the highest level, and- By doing that, you become better in all those other areas of your life. But sometimes we do have to call a timeout. We do have to take a break because we're beating our bodies up or we went so deep into that reservoir to get to that 942. We went so damn deep that we're literally not even able to move, you know, coming across the line and we gotta be wheeled off into the tent <laughs> and we think it's 20 minutes and it's two hours. I mean, it just, it makes me smile because like, if you haven't been there, then you just don't, you don't know. And that that's not being judgmental, man. It just, I live to put myself into those moments. I live to try to find like where that edge is to see how far I can take stuff myself. Other people, Think I'm off my rocker? They think I'm not. That's fine. You know, Goggins talks about it all the time. The more the rest of your people who don't get you think you're fucking crazy and you've lost it, then the more you know you're being your authentic self. And I always know when I'm down that rabbit hole and I'm going in deep. I know if all my fake pretender friends are all like starting to check out, I'm like, I'm onto something, baby. This is <laughs> this is where I need to be. Get into it more. Dig in. Embrace. But. Um there's just so much there. So I love it all and um but the family stuff aside about the race, you know, take me out there, you know, go through it, each of them. The swim, the bike and the run that day cuz that's your that's your epic day, that's your magic day. So I I want to yeah. go through the swim, bike and the run. Talk to me about it.
0: All right. Um well, uh, for swim start, I knew I wanted to be up towards um the front and I was standing with some people that I know um I, I internalize my nervousness, um, and I, in the sense that like I, you, if you saw me, you would think I was very calm and collected, um, and I can hold conversations. I'm not like one of those people who like puts their blinders on and music and like just like hypes themselves up. I'm not. I'm not that person. Um, I like to be joking around until I hit that water. Um, it just that's what makes me feel better. <laughs> um, so, I. Uh, knew going into the water that I wanted to swim to the outside so I could try to get past people who might have gone in a little bit earlier than they should have. Um, And I felt, I felt great in the water and my sighting was on. And um, so Ironman Maryland is a two loop thing. And what they had done was put like a timing, not a mat, obviously, but a strip above the water so that when you came around on your first loop, it would check you in. And then you went in your second. Cause I think in the past they had stories of people cheating. Oh, so no. Like, I don't know why you would even want to do a full distance Ironman if you're going to cheat, but whatever, it's a whole different topic. Um, and when I came out of the water and I saw that I had swam a one Oh one, I was like, okay, this is great. Cause it was in, it was in the chop tank. Like I, I just did that. Um, and transition went very smoothly. Um, you know, everything I got back, I got out onto the bike and I felt great. I, there was, I didn't see very many people until I started my, my second loop around. And it's so fun. I have this friend named Bob and he was out there racing and he, he always makes me smile when he tells this story just because it's so cute. Like he, he's like, Oh, and then all of a sudden you go flying by me like on your second lap, like I'm standing still. Um, and like that, I remember him yelling like, go, and you know, that kind of stuff is kind of what, what keeps you going. And I, I remember looking down at my um, computer and I was where I was supposed to be with my output uh, for Watts average. Um, but I started to do the math in my head with the time and where I was. And I was like, holy crap, please let me do this. Please let me be able to do this. And as I got closer, I was like, I'm going to do this. I am, I am going to do this. And, um, I did, I, I, what was my bike time? I want to say 522. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was over 22 mile per hour average. And. (sighs)
1: stop stop time out over 22 miles an hour complete insanity and also reverse stop 101 (laughs) swim more insanity back in my triathlon days I couldn't swim 1.2 miles (laughs) 101 okay (laughs) so it's 2.4 miles 101 okay 22 miles per hour 112 miles on the bike I've had a couple of trainer rides on my kicker and I'm averaging a little over 20 on some of the 25, 30 mile an hour ones, And I'm like dripping sweat, like some animal <laughs> and I'm dying. And those are like 25 or 30 mile rides. That's like 20, that's like oh, 12 miles, 22, complete madness, total insanity. Okay. Continue on go.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, like I knew also I had nailed my nutrition. So that was another, that's another thing that when you feel that way going into a run, you feel so much better. Cause if you go into the run feeling like crap, that's going to be a very bad day for you, <laughs> you know? Um, so I started the run and that's when the cyclist came up next to me and I was, I looked over and it said second female. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, girl, you're in second. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so that was like, a really good feeling to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm in an Ironman. And then of course you start thinking, I wonder how far ahead first place is, you know? And you're like that hypothetical, what if, what if I actually won this race? That would be so crazy, you know? And then I found out that she was like 10 minutes completely ahead of me. And, you know, um, she smoked it. Um, But you, you do. And it was, it was nice having the cyclist there, I do have to say that there's got to be an advantage to the pros who have cyclists too. And just, and just because it's more of a mental kick, not because you're like being helped any differently, but it's to have had somebody there who I knew I wanted to stay with, was such a driving thing. Cause I didn't know how far back third place, was until I went past one of my friends who like yelled out the time difference. And I was like, again, you start doing the math. I'm not very good at math. I'm an art teacher. (laughs) Um, and you're like, okay, there's no way, there's no way unless I start walking that that she can catch me, you know? So you feel pretty confident in that space. And, and until I hit mile 18 and it's like mile 18 for some, it's always like my death mile. Um, the one where I start thinking, I need sugar. Um, I race on infinite, which is awesome. But like you do hit that point where your body is just like, give me something extra Um,
1: Coca-Cola baby.
0: Yeah. I'm like, go to the, so it's like a buffet you're going through the line. You're like (laughs) taking everything and you're like, you don't even care. You're like dumping Gatorade on your face. And like, it's, you know, it's a scene. Um, but they, they send you up these cobblestones three times like literally it's a hill with uneven cobblestones which is like really really smart for the end of a a iron man right (laughs) you're like please don't twist an ankle and you're up and um let's try to break these people (laughs) yeah yeah i think the cool thing about it was as i was going up i saw my friend matt hahn coming in to finish and i heard them call his name so it gave me like that okay if i can come up and down and be right where he was i'm so close like i can i just heard them say his name um and so coming back down it's like you said you find this new renewed like pep like i don't know where that comes from i don't know how it happens um but even in the pictures like i see from the running where you're like, like all hunched over and your body is like folding to like, you're coming down that finish line. And it's like, you're, you're up and you're just, you know, have such a different vibe. You're like, yeah, I can do this all day. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, But coming down and seeing that red carpet and like knowing that I was late, knowing that, and you know, the cyclist I was with, her name's Courtney. She's like, this is where I leave you, you know? And I was like, wow, I just, I can't believe I did that. And, I've never had that much um emotion crossing a finish line before and it was like coming down that that stretch I was like I in my head and I didn't know where I was obviously with times or anything like that I I knew I had left it all out there I knew I had and it was such a good feeling um that you know when I finally did cross that line and went down like I just I, it was just over I was overcome with emotion Um, I didn't even feel like that at Kona. Like I, it was just a different feeling. Like everything came together for me. And it's really hard to say that when you're talking about 140.6 miles, because usually you can sit back and think, gosh, what if I had done this differently? What if I had done this differently? I mean, you're talking about almost 10 hours being out there. Um, So I felt very fortunate that I was able to like pull it all together. And the one cool thing was one day I was just flipping through some pictures I forget even where it was. Maybe it was um, in the news for Ironman Maryland. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's me. And it was this picture that captured the emotion that I was just talking about. And to this date, it's probably one of my favorite race photos because I look at it and I can feel the pain. I can feel the excitement. I can feel the emotion. And I remember exactly where I was at that point. You know, and it's it's a cool thing how a photo can like capture all of that in like one little still frame. Um, but, yeah, I it it was a great day. It was a great day. And I had my best friends were there from across the street. They had come up and they've never been to an Iron uh, Ironman before. And, you know, they were there and um, I stayed with the same couple whom I met um, through a pro um, I've been staying with them. They're like a host family. They usually take in pros and they were like, oh, well, why don't you, because um, I had done Eagleman, which is the half Ironman there. And um, they found out I was coming back for the full. They're like, well, why don't you stay with, with us? And so I have this relationship with this couple who lives in Cambridge and they're absolutely amazing people. Um, she apparently has the secret recipe for dinner, which is why I did so well.
1: I love it, baby. It's all about the, it's all about the gratitude. Well, you spent everything. I mean, that is a 100% fully spent all in performance. And, you know, we could go our whole lives, um, trying to have that experience and never have it happen and never have it come together. Um, you know, whether it's injury, whether it's weather, whether it's nutrition Um, there's just so many damn variables. And then when you take all of that other stuff aside, there's the mental game, um, that we're constantly going to be battling with because we either had a good cycle, a great cycle, or we had a shitty cycle and we just weren't able to get the things done that we did. So all of that comes to the starting line. All of that arrives at the starting line. Every one of our doubts, every one of our fears, (laughs) every one of our insecurities, they just come to the forefront at maybe mile 18 for you, or maybe it's in the swim in choppy water because you're not a good swimmer and you know, you're not a good swimmer and you know, it's going to get exposed. So, and Danny and I spent a lot of time talking about, you know, her fear of open water swimming. And it's just so uh, empowering to see that not only did she overcome that and she did it by swimming in like a hurricane with her swimming coach after being able to lay down great times on the pool and do great work consistently over and over and over again, but just couldn't have the result in open water swims because it is so remarkably different. You talked about your sighting being good in Maryland. I mean, it's sighting it's do you wear contacts under your goggles and does somebody smash you in the fucking head with an elbow and your contacts fall? I mean, there's just like people just have no idea how many things are going on, how many times you're getting kicked and smashed and swam over and, I mean, it can be an anxiety attack. And so, I mean, that's the water, right? So that, that's her, was her bet noir, was her like demon to overcome. And she did. So sharing that struggle and learning about that from her has power to me because somebody else out there hears that and says, wow, maybe I need to start to swimming in the open water more. And maybe I need to go out in really bad weather. And maybe if I try that, hopefully no one drowns because- <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm not responsible. People do not come for me and do not sue me, but, um, you have to bring all this stuff out there with you. And again, it's, um, you know, like our moments, our weakest moments, you know, will tend to find us. So the fact that you navigated all of that, that day, and you made it through all of those things, because trust me, even when you have your best performance, all those other things still come anyway. It's not like you're just out there all day going, wee, it's great. I have no problems. These cobblestones won't trip me up. No way, man. You know that there's all sorts of things flashing through your head. And yeah, I I love the, the story about the, the later aid tables because yeah, that's what it's all about, man. That's why I love Ultra so much because it's like, wait, this is like jelly beans and Starburst? And like, wait, what's happening here? like i can eat all this candy oh okay i don't have to pay for this all right okay ultra yes you have my heart uh, i'll do 100 mile. Or you know sign me up and i get to run in the mountains and trails yeah okay and i could take my gopro and take photos yeah sign me up i'm in i'm down and then you you talked about the race photograph too and capturing that i don't want to lose that because you know we put so much of our heart and soul into this shit and we just we churn and we burn and we grind and to have a moment captured it's just, it's priceless. And I always, you know, tag photographers and thank them for the photographs and, or hell, even friends when we're out on a training ride or, uh, you know, a training run that those moments to me, they'll live on. Um, so I'm just, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm happy that you had you got to have a picture, a moment that preserved your best race, you know, from that day, but that's, that's for now you know, there's more, there can be more, just up, up to you where, where you want to go, you know, where do you want to go from here?
0: I have to tell you too, um, that maybe people might be interested in this as well. I mean, I was a college swimmer. Yes. It was a division two state school. Um, nothing super fancy like Stanford or anything. Um, but the transition from lap swimming to open water swimming and racing was something that when I first started, was very easy for me. And my times were faster during the first three years of racing triathlon for me than, than they became. And I went through this stage where I had panic attacks and I couldn't understand why. You know, the beginning, when I first started doing it, I was like, I'm out, I'm going, I'm breaking free from people and I'm up in the front and I could no longer do that. I um, was racing and Olympic, and this was my first experience with this. I went out and all of a sudden I felt like that panic. And I, I remember going over onto my back and being like, I couldn't catch my breath and I needed that wetsuit off. It had to come off. And uh, they came over to me in the kayak and I was like freaking out and they're like, they unzipped it. And they're like, are you, are you okay? I'm like, I, I, they pulled me into a boat and with my pole socks, they were like, you're done. And I was like, wow, I just DNF'd my first race in the swim. And um, I remember, this is a side note, but I remember standing out there in my little Mylar blanket again as one of my friends was coming in. And he, like, looks at me, and I think he was trying to figure out, like, how the hell did I finish the race already? And he was just getting out of the swim. And I'm like, no, dude, I didn't, I didn't finish it. Um, but, yeah, so I went through um, – some interesting things with that. And at the time my coach, his, his wife, uh, whose name is Erica, um, she was a swimmer and she does like those crazy long swims, like those 10, like she's insane. And she's like, this is going to sound really dumb. But she said, when you get into that water, she's like, I want you to blow bubbles. Like you're like, you're five in the bathtub. And I was like, okay. Um, so, you know, the trick was that she thought, Um, there's this thing it's called the mammalian reflex, I believe, where your body thinks that it's drowning and you automatically go into this state of panic. So when I can and when I have the opportunity, if I'm starting from the water, I still do it. I go up and down and I just blow bubbles like especially at Kona, my gosh. Um, but just go up and down and do that and it I don't know. I don't know if it's like the calming effect or like what it is. Um, but it worked, um, for me. So, uh, I've, but since then I've learned that I can't take the swim out the way I used to. Um, I sort of have to ease into it, which is why I go to the outside. And I've also learned that, um, you exert so much more energy when you're trying to fight people that I just, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to fight people. I'm just going to go around. I'd rather take the longer way around than try to push my way through people and get clobbered. Not worth it.
1: That's, that's great. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try the blowing bubbles experiment because, um, you know, my swimming is an avoidance issue. (laughs) It's like, it's (laughs) been 30 years since I did, since I've done triathlon and, um, with COVID, I just, you know, I did 10 marathons in 10 weeks and raised, um, $8,000 to feed frontline healthcare workers. And I ran those marathons all alone, um, in the day, in the night, um, on fumes and, you know, lack of energy, but God bless, you know, the work that our frontline healthcare workers did. And it just gave me some real purpose, um, the front end of the pandemic. And then when that was over, I just felt this like, okay, what do I do now? Um, there aren't any races. I'm not coaching anybody. I mean, I work with people a lot mentally to help them work on goals and activities and things in my business life and running and, you know, endurance stuff. Um, but I was like, what am I gonna do? And then I just was like, I know what I'll do. I'll break my bike out of retirement. I haven't done a triathlon since I'm 30. I'm like, I'll break the trek out of retirement. So my 20 some odd year old bike and I started rolling the miles and you know, it just felt great. And um, that was when Tommy Rivers Poozie got diagnosed and I'm a big fan of Tommy Rivs and um, got the hat on, got the shirts on and um, just started um, riding a lot of miles for him, raising money for charity and um started to feel like hey man um iron man was unfinished business i got to 70.3 um was doing pretty well, despite being the worst swimmer in the history of triathlon. And when that I saw, is. oh, no, 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 Jenny. If I could even find, because there are no electronic times when you were racing in your thirties and you're as old as me. Okay. Which is probably a good thing. Okay. But if I can find any paper times of what some of my swim times were, you won't believe them, neither will Danny or any of my other triathlon friends, but- despite as bad as I was in the swim and getting out of the water, like last every single time, the experience of like mowing down everybody on the bike in front of you, because you really shouldn't be that far back because you're not that unathletic, but when you can't swim, you can't swim or when you're so bad at it. Um, so I would just roll over people like bowling pins on the bike and then run them down in the run. And that would just feel great because I finished so strongly and it was an amazing experience, but I never got the opportunity and was to Kona, saw my friend race there, was on a drive. I biked most of the bike course with him. We rode out to Javi. He made me swim the whole course. Okay. Like yeah. literally <laughs> because of him, I tore my rotator cuff and my shoulder. Oh, yeah, because look, my swim stroke isn't, I mean, it's not actually horrible. Like people who've seen me swim like, no, no, your swim stroke is fine. It's just, My breathing isn't like I can breathe. I actually know how to breathe on both sides, but like it is, it is panic. It's anxiety. Like I can slow myself down and running to crazy slow speeds, but I can also rip. You know what I mean? But with (laughs) swimming, it's like, no matter how slow and patient I try to make my stroke, I feel like I'm still not breathing right. Like I'm not getting enough air. So it's all breathing related and anxiety and relaxation related. And once I figured that out, then triathlon is going to be, it's going to be fun. And I will do exactly what you said. I will go to the far outside. I'll swim the longest distance. I don't care if I had a half mile on and I don't care if I'm last, as long as I meet the qualifying time to get out of that water and get a chance to roll one twelve and run 26.2. Cause I can't leave this earth without doing an Ironman. I can't, I can't, it has to happen. So yeah, I think Danny and her husband Ray do a triathlon camp and um, I talked about maybe doing like a live show out there, which would be really fun to help promote their camp. So I might have to uh, get I'll- might have to get you to come to that camp, and then you guys can just film me and make fun of me and just absolutely just have an absolute rip roaring laugh at. I <laughs> would my- never make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> I want people. I like people making fun of me, man. It's it cracks. First off, it cracks me up, and I'm an easy target. So no- number one, that's that's super fun. Um, but yeah, look, man, it's all about. Not being afraid to face your fears in life, man, if you know you suck at something, you gotta call yourself on it, right? And you're trying to say you're not good at running. That's way over the line, okay. We gotta real we gotta <laughs> rein that in for sure. But me saying I'm bad at swimming, that's okay, you know? But it doesn't mean that it's okay to have that mindset. It's not okay because we all know that we can destruct our own, you know, chance of success. Um, so basically, like, if I keep telling myself I'm the worst swimmer in the history of mankind, it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. Somewhere along right. the way, you have to come up with a different narrative. And you're not gonna start saying, I'm a badass, I can swim. I'm like Jenny, I could swim one hour and 2.4 miles. No, but you gotta come up with something else, like, you know. I'm going to get more comfortable in the water. Like I got to figure that out. Cause man, it's a tangled web because even during my injury and I have a chance to swim in the pool at Chelsea Piers, I don't even go. I don't even go Jitty, Cause it's just like, Oh man, I got to go swim. And it's only 30 minutes in my own lane. And I'm still, you know, it's like the avoidance thing, you know, it's like, you know, Do you go- have
0: a pair of those shorts that like,
1: the I do. Shorts. I do. Okay. I have Roka. I have, because, um, I have a connection with Roka. I get, um, sponsorship stuff and I know you have all kinds of codes and gear stuff and hookups as well, but I have a connection with Roka. So I have, their really great. I don't know what their name of their sweatsuit, uh, <laughs> sweatsuit wetsuit.
0: <laughs> that I do. Right I do
1: sweat. I do sweat. And your story about needing to take the thing off is classic. Cause man, like I have anxiety without having to take the thing off. I might, I might have the anxiety if I wasn't allowed to wear it, but I do have the, um, whatever they're called they're, they're basically the neoprene, the Yamamoto neoprene, uh, Roka material for whatever those things are called. Um, yeah, so my
0: it, coach swears by them. I don't, he called me this. I I'm a swim snot apparently. Cause I won't wear them, but he, um, he swears by them he says they're extremely beneficial. So I was just curious if you had a pair or not.
1: I do. And I also, cause you know, with research, you can find anything. Um, it's a little bit more surfing related, but it's kind of like a zip up sleeveless again, neoprene oh, yeah. top, because mm-hmm. I also just do not handle cold. Well, like I've gotten hypothermia and multiple marathons and, um, You know, when I ran that 60 miles for ribs on my birthday, it was below zero wind chill. And it was like 30 mile an hour wind. So I'll send you a little video I made and you can just see that there was not a single human being in one photograph of me running for 11 and a half hours. There's not a single human being anywhere around New Jersey or New York where I ran. Um, So like, and that is my kryptonite, like cold and, you know, getting hypothermia is my kryptonite. So that little vest and the short thingies, really help my flotation so i am a big this is a big i'm a big believer in this so just like calling my own self out on your pod sorry about stealing some of your time but calling myself on your pod will help me it'll like make me realize again okay dude you're avoiding your swimming get the fuck to the pool and get in the water and start swimming let's go what the hell are you gonna do a triathlon if you don't start working on your swimming so dates will be put down commitments will be made and you and Danny are going to hold me to it, so that that's you out. Yeah. yeah. It's and yeah. I expect to be called out. I expect to be blasted. So bring it um, this way. This <laughs> way we do we do that. And how to work my girl Danny into the convo since she was so instrumental in getting you on the show with me. So um, I have some other things for you. Um, some kind of quick questions in and out. If you're if you're good with that. Um, okay. So pain cave versus road ride.
0: Pain cave.
1: Treadmill, road, or trail for a long run? Trail. Favorite mantra?
0: We get to do this.
1: Yeah. Uh, darkest hole you ever dug out of in a race, and how did you do it?
0: It would have had to be the the Kona race. Um, but probably not that first time that with the story I was telling you about. Probably the second time I was there, um, I was at mile six. And I literally started, I just put my head down and I put my hand on my knees and I said to myself, and I don't say this to myself, I can't do this. Like that, that came into my head. I can't do this. And I just stood there, like leaned over and, um, you know, I, I had a friend who just so happened to be there and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he's like, are you kidding me? You can do this. And it was like, well, but I, I was like, but I feel. And he's like, Get, go. He's like, let's go. Um, so, you know, honestly, if I didn't have him there, I don't know where I would have ended up. Um, but I, I didn't walk again. But that was, that was a really tough spot. And I remember thinking, my gosh, you know, I came all this way. How am I not going to finish it? Um, wow. That just reminded me of something else, though. I might have to switch my answer. You can. I was, (laughs) I was at, um, it was Vegas world championships in 2011 or 12. I can't remember. And I had two weeks before been into a, a massive, uh, bike accident. And it was like my last long ride, uh, before the race. Um, I had, I was covered in road rash. I didn't have skin on my fingertips. I had stitches in my elbow, um, I was out of the count for a good, you know, six or seven days. Like when I finally did get back on the bike, I was riding my bike in a bikini because of all the road crash. Like Lord knows what people actually thought, you know, and I'm like stuff wrapped around my arms so that I can go into arrow, um, running hurt so badly. Um, but yeah, that, that race, I hadn't swam cause I had stitches. Um, so, you know what I mean? We're talking like two weeks. stitches came out like right before I went out there. So the first time I even swam was like a legal practice swim like the day before. Um, and going in that water, I had a panic attack and I remember doing the backstroke, like the breaststroke on my back and seeing all the other waves of caps come by me and just thinking, Jenny, just get to the bike, just get to the bike. You'll be good once you get to the bike. And that bike was hard. It, it was hard. It was hot. Um, and when I had about 20 miles to go, my Di2 died. And so like at that point, all I could really do was laugh at myself because on the flats, you can't go fast. And on the climbs, you're like struggling to go anywhere. So I finally got into the run and they ran out of water it was like 113 degrees and they ran out of water and I I cry that's like I cried legitimately like wailing like sobbing cry I still remember like being like oh like like and I didn't care I didn't care um that was a three loop I think it was horrible um But at one point I was just walking with like this guy. I don't even, he didn't even speak a lick of English, but he had ice and he handed me the cup and it was like, he gave me a couple ice cubes, but I, I, that was literally the worst experience that I've ever had. But that was where I said, I've come all this way. Um, And my parents were there and I'm like, I have to finish. My parents came out here. Like I can't let my parents down. Um, But yeah, that was the worst. That was terrible. I didn't run out of water at a race
1: that is that's just unbelievable um i'm cringing and i'm just i'm in the moment with you man because man we have some shit happen to us out there and you just you know for all the work that we do leading up you just never think that some of these things can happen and yet they do And, you know, certainly nobody means to, to mess with, you know, your day, my day or anybody else's day, but it just, it happens, man. It's the universe. And, you know, there's people who would, you know, flip out, lose their shit and just DNF. And there's other people, you know, like you that figure out a way to just, just keep going. And, you know, maybe that was the blessing that day that your parents were there because if they weren't there, who knows, maybe you couldn't have leaned on that thought, you know, like I got to finish, you know, I gotta, I gotta get this done because, and, you know, like at the end of the day, you know, there is, there is not going to be a magic ending on a story like that. There just isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah well, you, know, I, you can't, I, you can't, you can't race without, you know, without hydration. It doesn't work.
0: No, <laughs> no. I had a friend there and I saw her gaining on me. Um, and I was like, you know what, I'll just walk until she catches up and then we can finish together. Well, f- I'll finish with her. And I was like, wait a minute. She started like a half hour after I did. I am not letting her finish with me. <laughs> like I have to finish. Like So you have like the twofold thing going there. But yeah, that was, that was probably the worst experience I've had on a race course.
1: And the competitiveness in you, um, it's so obvious. Like, where do you think the fire, the energy, the passion, where do you think that, energy, drive, passion, and fire. Where do you think it comes from?
0: I don't know if it has like anything to do with, you know, wanting to be, well, it has to, I, I, I always feel like I want to be the best I can possibly be at anything that I do. Um, I don't, I, I don't, the big joke is like I don't go into anything half-assed. Um, when I do it, I do it. Um, and you know, like, look what I did with my ankle. Like, I don't mess around. Yes, I broke it clean across. Um, there was another incident where I had some hip stuff going on, and my the doctor who gave me the sur- surgery on the torn labrum was like, um, "Well, it looks like your TFL," but he's like, I, "It's really hard to tear a TFL." And but let's get you an MRI. I came back and he puts this thing up and he goes, "I'll be damned. You tore your TFL," and I was like, "I go all in." And so it's kind of my joke, like I, um, when I make up my mind to do something and I want to do it to the best of my ability, um, it doesn't have to do with, like, anybody necessarily around me, it just has to do with, like, my internal expectations, uh, and I, I made mention to this, uh, the other day in a post, too, I, we put so much, um, pressure on ourselves, you know, to, to do these things, and, Um, last year without having any races, um, just being able to kind of come back to the roots of triathlon and why I got into it in the first place um, was pretty refreshing because there were no races to train for. If I didn't want to do a workout, I didn't have to, but like, it was like, I wanted to, I wanted to train. And I remember hearing people like, Oh, I'm not going to train if I don't have a race. I'm like, why? Like I do this because I love it. And then you know, you say that stuff to yourself and you're like, yeah, I, I love this, this sport. Like, that's why I do all of these things and I'm not going to stop training. Um, but it was nice to not have that pressure, um, and to learn how to take it away. Um, and I think with this most recent, um, break in the surgery, I feel like in the past with every injury that I've had, and I've had like a thousand, um, I'm always like, I have to get back in. I have to get back in. I have to um, compete at the level where I was. And I don't feel that sense of urgency this time. I feel like, you know what, this happened. I'm going to get through it. If I'm ready to race, I'm ready to race. If I'm not, I'm not. And I'm just going to take it as it comes instead of putting this pressure on myself to try to get back out there and like, you know, drop, drop down. Like I, I said, I, I rode my bike for 20 minutes and my heart rate was, ridiculous uh it said um my I was a negative five performance and I was like oh wow negative five I don't think I've ever seen that before um but you know it's it's a bit humbling to see how quickly I mean what I've been sidelined for since January 28th how how quickly it just it goes you know
1: that's Okay. That's kind of crazy because January 29th was my birthday and that's the day that I did the 60 mile run. So, um, and I ran on a stress fracture. I ran 60 miles on a stress fracture. So, um, that's wild. I mean, where our dates are like completely intertwined. So we, we have the exact same amount of time of truly being like out of it, um, sidelined, you know, for real. Um, and you know, like I'm only now just starting to walk normally and, and it's still not truly normal. We don't just think about that saying to walk normally. Just think about that. Like it's bizarre, but I still consciously will not walk off the curb, walking my dog and land on my right leg. I won't. So like my friends are like, aren't you dying to run? I'm like, "Mm, believe it or not. No, I've made it 30 years in my life without a major injury. I have gone 30 years. It's pretty amazing. Um, and I was a college baseball player, so I didn't do all the running stuff and, you know, swimming, biking, any of that. I came to it much later in life. Uh, the appreciation is there, but you know, I know the same way you're talking about, I'll know when I'm ready to run, even though I have the best damn sports doc around, who was my last guest and his pod dropped today. And it was mad fun (laughs) having him on as a 14 times Ironman and 35 times marathoner and dude who's on like good morning America and today's show and (laughs) famous doctor. Um, I'll know. And you'll know, like, I don't need an MRI to confirm that that bone and stress fracture is fully healed. I don't need it. I know when I can walk normally off that curb with my dog and not feel like it's okay to go down the steps and put normal weight on both sides, I'll know that it's now okay to say, I'm ready to try and take a run. Um, but I'm just so damn thankful. Oh, oh, I love it. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get a screenshot of <laughs> that. Before. Yeah, yeah. I love it, man. It's like I you can
0: walk somewhat normally. Oh yeah.
1: Let me tell you something, man. You talked about <laughs> that 20 minute ride. I remember, and I said, "Are are you telling me it's okay? Like I can ride on a Peloton bike or ride on a trainer?" And I didn't have a kicker at the time. Like I, all my friends did. I'm like, I didn't have one, and I had ordered a new Trek Madone and took I don't know three and a half, four months to come in and you know i was just like you know what i need to be able to ride in my living room and my bike isn't there right now because it's in my car from the last ride we did up at harriman state park but um you know as cool as zwift is and as cool as it is to be able to you know get on there and put on whatever it is you like you want to watch old iron mans you want to watch boston marathons whatever you want to throw up on the tv while you're grinding on the trainer is one thing but um 20 minutes that 20 minute ride for you. I remember my first ride. I remember, and we're on the same timetable. I remember feeling like, oh my God, my knee's okay. It doesn't hurt to pedal the bicycle. And I was, I think three weeks or a month before I even asked him could I ride outside? And I literally did every ride, Jenny, without lifting my ass off that seat because I was afraid, you know, getting out of the saddle, you know, that's going to put more torque, you know, when you're pushing down, you know, when we go side to side and we're climbing, like if I do that, it might strain it and it might, you know, mess with my recovery because as, as crazy as I am in the way I pursue my shit, the way you are, I'm really conservative about Tackling an injury, I'm I'm going to err on the safe side and be cautious because, man, I want to go out and run a hundred mile ultra. I want to do an Ironman. I want to do many zillion more marathons, fifty-seven and counting. Like I want to be ready to get after it, but when my body is fully healed. So good for you that you're also thinking the same way, and um, I think it's going to extend your longevity and it's only going to bring the hunger back further. And I think that's one thing from the pandemic that we can all learn is that when races get taken away, we can always find the root of why we got into this game that we're in. And if you don't understand your why and you don't understand your purpose, you'll burn out and you won't have longevity and you also won't have satisfaction. So, um... Whatever that purpose is, I tell people all the time, you got to figure that shit out. You need to understand why you're out there. You're not out there to qualify for the Boston Marathon. You're not out there to qualify to go to Kona. That is not your purpose. That is not your why. That is not why you get out of bed at 4.30 in the morning. That's not why you grind and do the miles and swim and bike and do this shit. You have to have a deeper purpose. and If you don't understand it, you're never going to get the most out of what you're doing. and You're never going to be fulfilled. So that's the thing that I talk about all the time with anyone who will listen (laughs) and every guest who tunes into this show. You got to figure that shit out, people, because I know you know what you're doing it for.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So um, I want to ask something about your kids um, based on particularly their ages. So my son is graduated from college now and Um, I had the pleasure of coaching all those baseball travel teams and, you know, that was a wild dynamic and all, you know, being the dad and, you know, all of that stuff, but it was amazing. Those times were incredible. And his mom was uh, an amazing runner and I coached her. She's a two fifty three marathoner and, um, we're, um, we're like amazingly good friends and we got divorced a really long time ago. He was, I think about two or three years old at the time and he's 23 years old now. So it's 20, you know, 20 years have passed, which is remarkable. Um, and you just think like, like, wow, like how these things happen in our lives and you know why they happen in our lives. But it's, it's really remarkable that, you know, things that do happen and you know why they happen at the time, we don't necessarily understand. But the one thing that mattered to us more than anything was that we wanted our son to understand that we we're in this together. We're a family. We love our son and that we were going to do things together. And despite her being an amazing runner and me being a pretty damn good runner, you know, doing well in my age group and performing really well, like he just didn't want to run. And like for baseball and stuff, sure. He'd go run around and he was fast and could steal bases and whatnot. But the idea of running long, like he'd be like, nah, that's not happening. Dad. I'm not going out on some crazy run with you. And then it's funny when he got to high school, he got into this, um, elite all scholarship, um, Catholic high school in New York city. It's, um, you know, a couple thousand kids every year take the test and a few hundred, maybe a hundred to one hundred and twenty kids get in. So super special school. It's all about academics and community service and giving back. And you know, the first thing they tell the parents is the kids got to get involved in an activity. These kids are coming to New York City. They're commuting like adults at 14 years old. They need something to anchor them, whether it's a debate team, it's an art club, it's it's something that they have to do something. So he reaches out to me and he says, hey, dad, do you think I should go out for the cross country team? And I just remember, I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. Um, Because we had been dying for him, his mom and dad, to make show an interest in running, like have that interest. And you you can't make your kids like the things you like. It doesn't work. It'll never work. But the day that that happened for me was like such a joyous day. And so running and baseball, my two big loves, we got to share that, you know, through high school and all that. Um, And there are moments that I'll just treasure forever. And when I did the 10 marathons in 10 weeks, I went up to Vermont to see him when it was finally clear. And he ran, didn't run 26 miles. He ran, I think, the last 11 miles with me in the mountains of Vermont, which was just like a birthday gift for like 10 years worth, you know, to be out there in the mountains with him. So. I know what my relationship is like. I've got a wonderful relationship with my ex. We're great friends. My relationship with my son is the most important relationship in the world, outside of my mom and my my brothers. But your kids, they're at an age now where it's just so awesome. Um, they they're old enough to see, you know, what mom is doing, what mom has done, and be like, you know, wow, like holy cow. Um, what's what's it like? And what has it been like? Do they go to your races? Are they aware of just like how amazing it is, some of the things you're doing? Or are they just like in their own world and just like not really affected by it? Like, give me, give me some sense of that for you on your end with your children.
0: I mean, when I first started doing the races, um, they were young, very young. Um, and they, got, they were bored and tired and they were annoying to whomever was watching them. Um, so I started picking my races around the weekends that I didn't have them because I didn't want to, you know, put them through having to be there. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, my son two years ago, so when he was a um, freshman in high school, he's like, I want to go out for the swim team. And sort of like you at that moment, I was like, what? Uh, and he, and I said, okay, and he's like, "Well, you said you thought you said that you think I'd be good." And I was like, yeah, "I I do." <laughs> um and so he went out for swim team and he went out for track and um it was really it's it's been really fun to, you know, watch him dab dabble in those sports. Now, he he bailed on track this this year in cross country when he was um a freshman, which is a bummer for me. I wanted to but uh, like you said, you can't force your kids to do something that they don't want to do. Um, they have to come up with that on their own. And I've, I've never been the kind of parent who's like, well, you know, you need to do basketball. You need to do this. If they want, I mean, we asked, we always asked, do you want to know? No. Um, Alexa wanted to do dance when she was a little girl. All she really cared about was what she looked like in the mirror, (laughs) you know, (laughs) not like the dance itself. Um, but so I think it, it was last year, Alexa's like, when do we get to come to one of your races? And I was like, you want to come? And my son was like, his name is Gavin. He's like, yeah, we want to go. And I was like, well, you could have told me like, so um, hopefully this year or something will, will line up where I'll be able to get them to come. I, I feel that since they haven't been to a race in such a long time, um, that they don't fully grasp what it's like. And, how many people are out there on the course and, you know, how it all really comes together. I I don't think that they have a full understanding or appreciation for, you know, t- truly how far a half Ironman is or truly how far an Ironman is. You know, my my son, to try to put in perspective, he's like, well, we swam, you know, whatever. Acts I go, oh, I was like, guess what I swam today or whatever, just to kind of give him. And he's like, whoa, just to kind of put it in perspective. But still, I don't I don't think they fully um, you know, grasp it. So, I'm excited that they want to come.
1: That is such a big turning point. Um, and the story about him asking about swimming—it just, I, it's exactly, it's just exactly like it was when he mentioned it to me for the first time, and I was like, "What?" And then he's like, "You know, will you help me?" he helped me do some runs and get ready to try out for the team because I don't even know if I can make the team. And I'm like, of course, let's go. And we lived in Bayonne, New Jersey at the time. And we started the Bayonne running club. I just made it up, you know, and then got kids from the town and kids that I coached on baseball, whose moms had always said, Oh, would you help my son run a little more? And I just like, put it out there, you know, like, Hey, you guys want to join us for some runs. And it was such a fun, fun time and fun energy. And, um, ironically, um, as he got to his junior year and he was a very good baseball player, you know, he just got bored with when he wasn't pitching, they weren't playing him in the outfield or letting him catch or other things, which is a very common thing. When a kid's a good pitcher, they just want him to pitch. And he says, he wanted to have this important talk with me. And I was like, Oh, God, I hope something didn't happen, like something serious. And he was like, Dad, you know, as much as I love baseball, I really want to do outdoor track because baseball's boring now. I only get to pitch every certain number of days, and, well, and I'm thinking like it's something serious, like if something happened in school or something with a girl? I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, it's like,, you know, would you would, Yeah, would you be okay with me not doing you know baseball this year and just doing outdoor track instead?" And I'm like, let's go you know more for the running and yeah what what a wonderful thing and and sure they have no there's no way they could have a concept of just how long those days are until they're out there experiencing it. and being in a race and seeing the looks on people's faces you know the joy the pain the anguish all of it and then also the crowds and the energy I think it's a a wonderful experience and you know, I'll give you one to really like look forward to cuz you know you had your Boston experience. The last Boston that we ran was in 2019 in terms of when races were occurring and my son had not been to one of my races. I think he was 8 years old. Like he was at the New York City Marathon, he was 8, he's now tw- he was 21 at this race. And one of his cross country Buddies from Regis high school in the city who I knew well. So we'd run a lot together. The three of us on some runs. Um, he went to school up in Boston. So they met in Boston. He came up to Boston the day before the race day before Patriots day was on the course, um, was at the firehouse, uh, in Newton and, I'll I'll never forget it. I will never ever forget seeing him and his buddy's face when I came around the corner from that firehouse and the energy it gave me. I, I felt like I jumped ten feet in the air. It was probably like ten inches tops. because <laughs> I got no hops at all. No chance that it was more than like ten inches. But it felt like ten feet off the ground. And I wish I had that photograph because the feeling a dad gets um, or a mom gets, you know, when they're when their kids are out there and just in the in the moment in the experience. Um, you know, it was a hot day. It was a rough day. And, um, you know, it was just awesome. I got, that was, I ran all six majors that year. I ran, um, Ber, I ran, uh, Tokyo, uh, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and New York. So there's only six wow. Abbott majors and only seven people in the world have ever done it in the same, same year. And that was my fastest one. I ran 3:13 cause he was there. Um, so that was, that was pretty sweet for me. So I hope that when they get out to some races, um, it just builds, you know, more of a connection. And I know, um, that they're going to come to realize what a total badass you are in the years to come. Um, because my mom never did any Ironman races and she's the biggest (laughs) badass I've ever known. So trust me, um, whether they fall in your footsteps or not, doesn't matter.
0: Well, my son, my son came home a couple of years ago and he's like, great mom. And I was like, what? He's like my whole entire social studies class knows that you're on Instagram. And I was like, i was like i'm sorry i don't know how that happened but i'm sorry and he's like he just looks at me like great (laughs) it's funny
1: (laughs) the look yeah Yeah. the look
0: he he was embarrassed but maybe someday he won't be i don't know we'll see
1: trust me he's not uh he might be embarrassed by that because we can't put ourselves back in time in that time capsule to be a seventh grader again wouldn't it be fun if we could um (laughs) I can't no, even imagine <laughs> no, 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 I, I wouldn't no. <laughs> I wouldn't trade my my time, the time that I grew up in and how things were for anything. Um, It's just, it's just a different world. Um, Our parents just let us go to the park all day and we came back after dark and we weren't expected to come back before after dark, because if we did, then we weren't having a good day Uh, (laughs) because that was our job was to go out and play all day. And man, we were good at it. Um, You know, when we got tired of football or baseball, it was like crazy running games and chase games and, you know, imaginary games and, you know, climbing roofs and doing all kinds of other things that you know could have risked our lives but we make it you know we're here so it's it's all good man and i just have to say it's been such a blast chatting with you i had so much fun uh learning about your experiences and um just awesome things that have gone down you know in your tri history race history at maryland and kona and boston and just all of it you know it's been super fun and before we roll out i just wanted to ask if there's anything that we didn't get a chance to cover today or touch on for you that might be upcoming you know you know and top of mind for you
0: i think we've touched on everything so i'm all set yeah
1: cool Cool. Well, listen, thank you so much for uh, spending time with me and sharing so many awesome and inspiring stories. I know it's going to be a big hit with everybody who listens to the show. So thanks so much for coming on, Gigi.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed talking to you as well.
1: Okay. Well, we always sign off with keep lacing them up, everybody. Keep getting out the door. Peace out. And always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. That was so much fun. I'm so grateful for Ginny for coming on Run Chats and sharing her super inspiring story. She's so passionate about our sport and she has so much grit and she's such a fierce competitor, yet she has gratitude for everybody in the sport and she's all about community and she is so authentic. And I think there's no doubt that's what's led her to building just a huge following on Instagram. And it's just so well-deserved. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation. It was just so much fun. And uh, it was just really enjoyable. And I have no doubt it's gonna inspire a lot of folks out there to get moving, to try to fight back from an injury, to maybe overcome some fears in open water, learning that Ginny, who swam a 101 in an Ironman swim, you know, could be battling some of those same things that many of us do. So I really appreciate her sharing the highs and lows and so many uh, different experiences with us along the way. And if you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your support, please write a brief review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute and will really help us and new listeners to discover our show. I appreciate everyone who takes that step and shares our podcast on instagram stories facebook etc thank you all so much for being part of the run chats journey thank you Ginny, for bringing so much to this episode and show and as i say at the end of every episode keep lacing them up my friends keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight peace out my friends talk
0: soon